Welcome in to another edition of the Checkerboard Chat. I am your co-host, Ryan Schumpert, joined as always by Ryan Cruz. We have a lot to get into, an exciting week for Tennessee basketball, and it looks like the Vols are dead. They get two big wins over rivals and, and uh, top-level SEC opponents, and then the Tennessee women's basketball team ends the season 2-0, and kind of rebounding from a tough stretch they had, and they get ready for the SEC tournament where they are the sixth seed and will open play tomorrow night at 8 Eastern in Greenville, South Carolina. And the Tennessee baseball team continues to roll against some weaker competition as they get going with about a week and a half till the start of SEC play. But, Ryan, I think definitely the uh, the start of it, the podcast, the, the story of the week is what, what the Tennessee basketball team did. We sat here a week ago and, like basically everybody else, pegged them for dead. And they've come out of... No, I'm not going to say nowhere. I don't, I don't think anyone was shocked by the win Saturday over Florida, an impressive 63-58 win. But I think everyone was shocked by what happened last night in Rupp Arena where Tennessee kind of reversed the roles they've had the past few weeks of blowing big leads. They turned a 17-point second-half deficit into an 81-73 win in Rupp Arena. But let's start Saturday against Florida. 63-58 win. Tennessee builds a 19-point lead, played about their best basketball of the season in the first half, only to blow the lead and then hold on. What did you see from Tennessee really in the first half and the first five minutes of the second half of Saturday Florida where they could build their the big 19-point lead? Well, I think what definitely happened helped them was the Auburn loss because it, it put them in that same situation. So when they got down to Florida, yes, they gave up the lead there for a second, but they were prepared and they knew, you know, we came this close against a team like Florida. You know, if we continue, if we get our stuff in order and we get going, we can take care of this. We've dealt with this before. Uh, so I think it's just knowing, being there and knowing you can deal with it. Yeah, I think the big difference when you look at Florida's comeback against Tennessee as opposed to Auburn's comeback and how Tennessee was able to fend it off is Tennessee was just able to sprinkle baskets and throughout. During the Auburn one, you know, it was a 19-0 run, and not that six minutes is some super quick amount of time in the run, but when you're up by 17 and then you're giving up a lead, it's just about making enough baskets, getting enough stops to limp to the finish line, which is what they were able to do Saturday. And, you know, they certainly weren't great on offense during that stretch, really worse on defense, but Fulkerson got enough big baskets. And then obviously late when the game got tight, they got, you know, he made the his first three of his career, you know, a little, not to say the shot was lucky, but a little lucky for Tennessee to get a basket there. And then the putback dunk, but just how Tennessee has has grown being able to close out games, just showing that growth. And certainly I'm Barnes, I'm sure wasn't pleased with the fact that they blew a 19-point lead. But for them to be able to get the baskets, be able to get the stops late, that was certainly certainly very, very impressive. And you know, you look at it, Fulkerson goes for 22, Josiah James goes for 12. Kind of the same story that we had had last night as those two guys of you know, it's a short not for Fulkerson, for, but for James, a little bit of a short sample size. But those two guys seemingly have kind of moved into the, the lead role for this team. Yeah, I mean, definitely, you know, James was expected coming into the season to be a huge contributor. But as Coach Barnes will tell you, he's been battling injury all season. Uh, had a stress there, he missed four games. Uh, had a rough four games coming back. But starting with the floor game and then continuing last night, uh, played up to where he should be. Uh, seems to have gotten his things together. And is poised to continue on this good stretch. Yeah, I was listening to the post game last night. Barnes had said he thought he, Josiah was finally healthy, finally at the healthiest he'd been since July, is what he said. And really thought he felt like he was getting into a rhythm. And, you know, we'll go ahead and 
move into the game last night, but Tennessee falls behind by double digits in the first half. Just or Jalen Johnson hits some threes. Fulkerson really unstoppable in the first half, just to kind of hang in it. But down by 11 points in Rupp Arena, I don't think anyone's expecting them to get the win. What what was Tennessee able to do, even after being down by 11, but again down 17 and within the first few minutes of the second half. I think the two biggest things is you know they made the shots and something that's been killing them all season has been the turnovers, and against a team like Kentucky, that can be even more of a detriment here. And they were able to only have one more t- turnover than Kentucky for the game, and that helps you uh, in the long run. And when you have that problem that they've been dealing with all year, to get, finally get that fixed is huge for them. Yeah, absolutely. And you know this wasn't like they were excellent taking care of the ball. They still turned the ball over 15 times, but it just shows if you're not, you know, it's again like you look, we looked at the Auburn game. If you just don't kill yourself with turnovers by turning over 22 times, you can still find a way to win. And that's what that's kind of what it was against Florida. They had some turnovers, but only turned it over 14 times, which kind of funny to only say only turned it over 14 times. Still a pretty high mark. But when you just don't kill yourself, you don't truly stop yourself. You see what the team can do. And, I mean, you look at it last night, Fulkerson, obviously incredible. And then Josiah Jordan-James, it's kind of funny. You look at him this year, the games he's played well. He can never put it together for two halves. It's always one half he plays well. And last night it was the same way, spectacular. All 16 of his career-high 16 points came in the second half. Seven rebounds, five of them in the second half. He was just absolutely fantastic. He was the guy last night the Tennessee fans thought they were getting at a five-star. But... I think almost a bigger story, if you just look at the game as a whole, is what how Tennessee's defense flipped. You look at the first three halves they played against them this year, the two in, in Knoxville, where they played pretty well in that game, and then the first half last night. Tennessee couldn't stop them at all. Tennessee had no answers for Tyrese Maxey, Emmanuel Quickly, and Ashton Hagens. Those, two, those three guys just killed Tennessee's guards. Last night it was the same way in the first half. They shot 55% from the field, 80% from three-point range, and then pretty... If you're a Kentucky fan, inexplicably, just it just stopped in the second half. Tennessee shut them down. Only shot 40, or excuse me, 33% in the second half, 25% from three, and then the turnovers you mentioned. They, Kentucky had 14 turnovers, only one less than Tennessee. A lot of those in the second half, where Tennessee was able to do something they really haven't been able to do this year, which was get out in transition and get easy baskets. And so that has just been a pretty, I think, is the big one of the big stories in the game, but. Just remarkable. When you look at what, what John Fulkerson has done in the past past year to develop his game, it's been pretty crazy. And I ask you, what, how how big do you think, or how, where does Fulkerson's performance last night stack up in the past few years of, of great Tennessee uh, performances? Well, you know, it's it, it's hard to quantify just because you know he, he they've had, there've been so many great players come through here, but I think it's. The opponent, the, the the fact that this was a team ran off for dead, uh, I, I think this is huge for them. Uh, I think it's going to be definitely be a memorable performance. I don't know about the best because we've had so many good players come through this university, but I think it's definitely going to be one of the more remembered performances in Tennessee's recent history. Yeah, it'll be interesting. I think, obviously, what Tennessee does going forward will impact how people view the performance and the win as a whole to see if this sparks something. So. You know, it was always the, always the thought was Tennessee had to get to 18 wins to give them, a, give them a chance to make something happen in the SEC tournament. Once they dropped that game to Arkansas, you kind of thought they were eliminated. They penciled this one and it was a loss. But all of a sudden they get this win, and not only do they get 
a win that gives them a chance to get to 18. They get a win that's by far their best of the season. Uh, finally, a resume-building win that Tennessee's kind of been looking for all year. And now with a chance Saturday against Auburn to kind of put them in a place where they can maybe make the NCAA tournament against or in front of what I'm imagining is going to be a sold-out Thompson Bowling Arena crowd. What does Tennessee need to do Saturday to pick up the win and build, continue to stretch and give them a chance to, to be playing in the postseason? I think they've got to keep just doing what they're doing. You know, Fulton's, again, going to be a huge key. Uh, you're going to need James to keep on this pace that he's had these past two games. He's got to continue to play to the five-star level play that uh, was expected of him coming in. And then I think you're going to, have to, uh, you're going to require Bowden to you know, play at the level you know he can play. Uh, and then just all around, just team effort. Uh, you know, players like Devontae Gaines and Pons are going to have to be huge on defense. Yeah, but I think it's just going to be a, a huge team effort that's going to be required. Yeah, I think one, you know, something that you have to consider. Obviously, Tennessee played Auburn well two weeks ago, blew that game, but they were out without Isaac Okoro, who's going to be a, a fringe lottery pick, a top or a first round pick in the in the NBA draft. And I think it's come Tennessee's going to have to stop dribble drive penetration. I just think overall, I think this team is going to go where the defense can take them, finding consistency offensively. Really, like you were just kind of talking about. They got to find the guard to be consistent to go along with Fulkerson, who has become kind of the definition of consistent for this team. They can find, you know, a guard to go with him, whether that's Josiah or Bowden, seem like the most likely options, or, or Viscovi even. I think that gives Tennessee long term a chance to be competitive. But Saturday in particular, Auburn's going to want to attack the basket and try to get open threes off of that. Tennessee has to be able to limit that. When they were when Auburn made their comeback there two weeks ago, it was a lot of that and a lot of Tennessee throwing it away in transition, giving them easy stuff. But it should be interesting to watch, you know, if they get a win Saturday. I saw Joe Lenardi had them back kind of on their bubble, on his bubble, chance to get in. You wonder if they need one win or two wins in Atlanta to make the SC, or excuse me, in Nashville to, to make the NCAA tournament. And another thing that I think is going to be interesting to watch, help them out, is if they can get that seven seed or six, or six seed, Alabama had a loss last night, big game tonight for Texas A&M, who holds that tiebreaker over Tennessee. I think that bodes much better for Tennessee because if they have to get two wins to get in Atlanta, I think if they fall to that eight spot, it's going to be tough for them to beat Kentucky again, especially after what they did last night. But if they can get to the seven seed, they can get to six seed, they can face Auburn or LSU, more, more manageable wins no, definitely for them. Moving on to the Lady Vols, they – Finally kind of ended her skid and built off of it, but still not playing, you know, great by any means. They beat Ole Miss last Thursday, who's the worst team in the SEC, 77-66 to at home, a month and a half after beating them by 30 on the road. And, you know, obviously a win's a win, a double-digit win. You're not complaining about too much, but certainly not playing as well as they played earlier in the year. And then they traveled to Auburn Sunday to play one of the worst teams in the league, probably second or third worst team in Auburn, and it takes it takes a game-winning shot by Renaya Davis to get past Auburn. What did you see from the Lady Vols in this past week, and how much of you think their struggles are really worrisome, or do you just take the win and move on? So I, I think one of the key things is during the Ole Miss game, uh, Ole Miss got out to an early lead. Uh, they shot the ball really well from three. Uh, the coach talked about, you know, due to the size difference, they knew they weren't going to go in the paint. They focused on shooting from outside uh, the art, uh, shot really well from there. Uh, and also I think some that hurt them uh, was Lou Brown didn't seem to be the healthiest. Seemed a little awkward on her shot, uh, but she was seemed to be better in that uh, Auburn game. 
But I think the biggest thing for the uh, Lady Vols is a lot like the men's team, you know you have Renai Davis, is, you know, like Fulkerson, is, is you know you're going to get reliable play from her. And the biggest thing is who can you find to complement her and to fill in the gaps and who's going who's to find the defense. Uh, I think Burrell uh, is huge there on uh, offense if she if she plays it like she can. Uh, Lou Brown offers three-point shooting. And then uh, Renee and Mazengale are great on defense. So I think it's going to take a team effort. I think they're going to have to continue to play like they know they can uh, and just trying to overcome the lack of depth they have you know, due to their sh- small roster. So Tennessee sits in the sixth seed spot. They went 10-6 and six and part of a four-team tie for third place in the SEC. But they get the sixth seed. They will face the winner of the Ole Miss-Missouri game. Ole Miss, we obviously talked about Second ago, they went seven and twenty-two this season. Owes sixteen in SEC play, and Missouri wasn't too much better, eight of twenty-one. Though they were more respectable, five and eleven in SEC play. Tennessee beat Missouri in their opener of SEC play way back on January second, seventy-seven to sixty-six. So two teams you'd expect Tennessee to take care of, and then a win on tomorrow night, Thursday night, would match them up with Kentucky in the quarterfinals. So I'll start with this Tennessee. Lady Vols, they safely in the NCAA tournament. And building off that, what what do they need to do for this to be a successful week in Greenville? I think they, they've got to at least win this first game. Uh, I think an embarrassing loss. They're, people are kind of unsure of where they are. They're kind of in a dangerous position with a bad loss. But I think if they win this first game uh, and they take play respectfully in their, in their next couple games, I think they'll be fine. But it, I think beyond that, it's – once they get this first game, it's where are they going to be inside the tournament. But if they lose that first game, they very likely could. Yeah, I mean, it's kind of – I think that makes a lot of sense because, you know, you look at Tennessee's season, they've been pretty – they've been by the chalk most of it. Teams they've been better than, teams they've been supposed to win, they've beaten. Teams they haven't – they've been worse than, they've lost to. And when you look at that and you don't have a lot of good wins, a bad loss late can obviously be, be pretty detrimental. But we'll have – Coverage of that as the Lady Vols battle it out in Greenville this week trying to win the SEC Women's Basketball Tournament. And moving on to close the podcast, uh, another big week for the Tennessee baseball team. Not the toughest of competition, though I was you know, I was impressed with some of the things George Washington did. They have some pretty good starting pitching and, and pretty solid bats this weekend. But Tennessee nevertheless gets the sweep. They trailed pretty late in Friday's game 1-0 in the seventh inning, and then they got down 3-0 Saturday, but came back to win both those games 7-1, 7-3, before blowing out George Washington 10-0 Sunday. And then the Vols were in some midweek action Tuesday, dominating Longwood 28-2 in a game that still might be going on. I'm not, I'm not sure about it. But what? It, obviously, the competition's what it is, and you can only take so much from it, but... What what have you liked the most about what you saw from Tennessee in the past weekend? I think the biggest thing is is the depth. Is you know, Coach Patella talked about a couple games ago where last year you had one or two guys in the middle of the lineup who other teams worry about. Whereas this year you've got you know strong hitters one through nine, and then when it comes to defense, they have a very strong pitching staff, and their best player hasn't even played yet because he's out with soreness and and they don't want to risk him yet. Uh, so I think it's gonna be they're gonna be a dangerous team once they once come SEC time, uh, but I think you know the sky's the limit with this team. Yeah, I mean I think you kind of just building off what you said, 
Vitello talked about Saturday after the game that this team, it's there's a lot of freedom in, in making the lineup because you have so many options, you have so many good hitters, and you don't just have those two guys. And I think you kind of saw that this weekend. Zach Daniels was pretty strong but wasn't as red hot as he's been. Jake Rucker, who's kind of been consistently the best bat this season, wasn't great on the weekend. And you saw that. He hit in the sixth spot. He hit in the seventh spot. But Al Solari kind of started to break out of it. He's now at three home runs. He's hitting 262, starting to kind of build that up from where earlier in the year he was under 200 for about the first week and a half. And then Luke Lipsius was was incredible this weekend. Pete Durke remained red hot, and they're just finding different pieces to, to pick everybody up when they, when they struggle. Going into, obviously we're not quite in the SEC play yet, still a week away, but what do you think the biggest question mark for this team is? I think it's going to be how how will Crochet look when he finally comes back from soreness. Uh, you know they say he's if this had been SEC play he'd probably be playing already, but it's going to be interesting to see. You know, is he going to be resting when he first comes back in? You know how is how is that going to fit shuffling down the rest of the uh, pitching lineup? And you know, just see how it all shakes out. Uh, it, and and also they play decent teams, but to see teams that that know them. You know, in yeah. the conference the familiarity. Uh, how that, how that works. Yeah, that's definitely that's a good point. And I'd say mine kind of builds off yours a little bit with crochet. I just wonder how good is the top-level pitching. I think there's no doubt that the depth of this pitching staff is really good. I think there's no doubt that Hunley and Walsh are very elite bullpen arms. Question mark can be how good is Garrett Crochet when he comes back? How good is Camden Sewell when he comes back? How good can Chad Dallas, how good can Jackson Leaf be against top-level competition? We know they're good. We know they're not going to be bad arms. They're not going to be getting rocked consistently. But if Tennessee truly wants to go where they want to go this season and you know compete in the SEC, compete in a division that has three of the top five teams in the country, I mean, talk about that for a headline. Incredible competition. They're going to need that top-line pitching to be really, really good because you know Vanderbilt's going to have that. You know Florida's going to have that. And you know Georgia has that with Emerson Hancock, who's probably the second-best pitcher in the league. And just a, an all-around great staff who last weekend locked down Georgia Tech, who has one of the better lineups in the ACC. So you know you're going to be seeing great top-end pitching. Can Tennessee's get there? And like you said, a lot of that's just going to come down to can Crochet be fully healthy and be the top-end Friday night starter that most people expect him to be. But it'll be interesting to follow. They have three games this weekend as they look to take on a struggling Wright State team who has played a pretty a gauntlet of a schedule so far this season. They've played Auburn, they've played Clemson, they've played, a, not sure who it was, one other big Power 5 team. They haven't done very well against them. They've lost all those games and gotten beat pretty bad, but you got to respect Wright State for playing a difficult schedule. But play this weekend will begin at Lindsey Nelson Stadium at 6.30 p.m. Friday night. It should be a fun weekend of baseball in Rocky Top, and we'll have you covered with that as well as Tennessee's action in the women's basketball tournament and Tennessee's matchup this weekend with Auburn. Thank you for joining us on this checkerboard chat. Have a great rest of your day, everybody.